السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهدي ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله العظيم من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهدي الله تعالى فلا مضل له ومن يضل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد يحيي ويميت وهو حي لا يموت بيده الخير وهو على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله وصخيه وخليله أدى الأمانة وبلغ الرسالة ونصح للأمة وكشف الغمة وتركنا على المحجة البيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها إلا هالك فعليه أفضل الصلاة وأتم التسليم على آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم جعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين وأوصيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله وقد أمرنا بالحق وقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوى الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس تقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء وتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا أيها الذين آمنوا تقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما ثم أما بعد we begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bearing witness that none has the right to be worshipped or unconditionally obeyed except for one. And we ask our one God to send his peace and blessings upon his final messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and to send that his peace and blessings upon all of his prophets and messengers that were sent before the family and companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him, those that follow in his blessed path until the day of judgment. And we ask Allah to make us amongst them. Allahumma ameen. Dear brothers and sisters, as this whole thing has been uh, evolving, um, the topics that have come to my mind in terms of what I should be addressing have also evolved. And uh, let me be the first to say that some of the things that I'm talking to you about, I myself, I'm struggling with, and um, that is the norm and not the exception. So don't feel guilty and don't feel like this is uh, just something that speaks to you or that this is a reality that only a few are facing. When there is deep uncertainty and deep tension, then that has the ability to really cause us to always be on the edge. And that's the case when it comes to faith, right? And if you think about the way Allah describes how we're on the edge when it comes to faith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, There are some people that worship Allah on an edge, uh, literally standing on the edge of a cliff, okay? And what that speaks to is that when hardship comes to them in regards to their relationship with Allah, so if something bad happens to them, then they're on the edge in regards to their faith, i.e. their relationship with Allah. Naturally, when it comes to our relationships with everybody around us, even if we're not physically in the same space, but especially when we're physically in the same space, um, we're even more on an edge when we're facing the hardship and when we when we constantly feel like our core is disrupted. And so I want to talk about sabr in a different way. And inshallah ta'ala, I do hope that this khutbah will be beneficial. Again, pray the uh, disclaimer, which I'll constantly make inshallah ta'ala. It's just a reflection. Uh, but I really want to break down sabr and connect it to what we're going through right now. And inshallah, in a very practical way that can speak to all of our realities, no matter where on the spectrum we are right now, 
in terms of how easily we get irritated or if we're having a hard time, you know, balancing uh, your minor, your minor, your minor irritations with your major frustrations. Right. So you have these major uncertainties about what's going to happen regarding your health, regarding finances, whatever it is, um, regarding the future. And then you also have just the things that are happening on a daily basis and things that can really annoy you suddenly that did not necessarily annoy you in the past. And this is not just in the capacity of marriage, by the way. Again, when you're on the edge, you're on the edge and uh, things can really get to you uh, quite suddenly. So let's go through a few of these things. Number one, a rule that <clears throat> Imam al-Ghazali, uh, may Allah have mercy on him, he said that patience with people is more difficult than patience with hardship. Uh, and what he meant by that is, you know, when, when something happens to you, but it's an unassigned disaster, I mean, you can't blame that disaster on another person. It's different than when someone is causing you harm, okay? When you can assign your hardship to a person, okay? So there's a difference between death by natural causes and death by murder, right? And that's natural, right? It, it is a natural sentiment that when it's death by murder, the feeling of injustice and the recourse that is due afterwards, the penalty and the recourse and all that is that is there, is there for a reason, right? Um, now, Allah has written death on a person at that time regardless, but when it's a person that I can point to that caused me that harm, that, that, that murdered my loved one, then it's different than when someone passed away in a car accident or due to a sudden heart attack or whatever it may be, even though that's painful, the loss of a loved one is painful regardless. And so these two categories of patients are, are pretty self-explanatory in terms of the degree that they occupy, right? So patients with hardship that's unassigned disaster and patients with hardship that's assigned directly to a person, which can, which can cause uh, added layers of trauma, added layers of damage to a person. But there's a third category that I think applies to, to us right now, okay? And, and uh, obviously that doesn't mean that the other two don't apply. Uh, in, to, to each of us in different capacities. But there's a third category that I think applies to, to most of us right now, which is patience with people in the midst of an unassigned disaster. Okay? Patience with people in the midst of an unassigned disaster. So the first category of patience is someone harmed you and your, your patience directly involves another person. Okay? The second category of patience is disaster strikes. And I have to be patient with that disaster. And that's going to affect my relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third category is patience with people in the midst of that unassigned disaster. And so I'm going through something right now. I am, you know, uh, uh, hurt by whatever's happening around me in, in a way that I, I really can't understand because this is an unprecedented trial. And so I'm trying to wrap my head around how this is affecting me in different ways. And there are people around me, okay? Or there are people that are going to bear the brunt of my frustration or my grief in the midst of all of that. And it's not their fault, which makes it so much worse, right? Because you're, you're hurting. And then when you're hurt, you're hurting others. So hurting, hurt, hurting people hurt other people. And when you have a situation where people are quarantined together and they're, and they're hurting in different ways, then that hurt can be that much more. Okay. So. I want us to, to, to take a step back, inshallah, and to really look at prophetic guidance, at the way that the Prophet taught us to deal with these things and how they would specifically apply.
to our situations right now. And so first you kind of go through the basics, right? The basics. And this is especially true uh, when it comes to the, the annoyances. Most of the ahadith where the Prophet ﷺ talked about how to treat anger, how to treat, you know, uh, the, the, uh, a person's uh, impatience or, or annoyance, speak to things that are of a lesser degree of severity. Okay? So, for example, the Prophet ﷺ did not tell a person who just lost a child to go make wudu. The Prophet ﷺ did not tell someone whose family member was just murdered, go make wudu, right? To go in and do ablution, to perform, to, to wash your face, to do what's necessary to cool yourself down, right? Uh, saying isti'adah, seeking refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the shaytan. The Prophet ﷺ was not saying that to people, and, and though it's, it's always necessary, wudu is always necessary, isti'adah is always necessary, but the Prophet ﷺ was not saying that when it comes to, you know, these... Uh, these major difficulties in life, it's really those annoyances that have the potential to spiral into something much worse. Okay, to, so to stop it before it spirals into something much worse. And he always connected it to the shaitan. He always connected it to the devil. And subhanAllah, some of you might have seen that that uh, that image that's been going around that said this is the first year that we're locked away before the shayateen in Ramadan. SubhanAllah, I mean, Usually Ramadan comes around, we talk about the shayateen being locked up, the shayateen being locked up, the shayateen being locked up, right? So now we're locked up and the shayateen are locked up with us, all right? So they're, they're still here and we're tight, you know, in, in our places. And so the shaytan has a lot to work with right now. And the way the shaytan deals with sin in general is the shaytan always tries to do two things with sin. All right, and, and I want you to deeply connect this to your relationship with other people because this is in regards to your relationship with Allah. The shaitan tries to take a one-time sin and turn it into a sinful habit. That's number one. Number two, the shaitan tries to take a minor sin and turn it into a major sin. Number three, the shaitan tries to take major sin and turn it into disbelief and despair. All right, so the first one is take a sin that a person commits for the first time. Allah put barriers between you and that sin. And you commit that sin, and now that you've committed that sin, Shaytan says, how about you just go ahead and keep committing it now? The second one is that it's a smaller sin, and usually a smaller sin is a portion of a major sin. So for example, there's the zina of the eyes, the adultery of the eyes, but it's not like the adultery, right? Like the major sin of adultery, okay? There is riba. Uh, you know, uh, some of the scholars of Teski of Suruk, uh, and, and I can't remember which scholar said this, but I did find it very insightful. He said that a person starts with uh, riba, but he ends up in namima. Riba is backbiting, gossip, and it's dhikruka akhaq bima yakra, to say something that's true about other people. But uh, riba the gate, is the gateway to namima, slander, right? So what comes after gossip is, is, is just naturally going to be slander. Okay, so the point is, is that he'll take a minor sin and turn it into a major sin. And then the third thing is he'll take a major sin and turn it into disbelief and despair, which means a point of no return. Now, think about this in regards to our relationships with each other. Okay, the way that we, we deal with one another. All right, especially those that are closest to us and those that are quarantined with us and those that are around uh, in whatever capacity. All right. How do you take a one time and turn it into a habit? Okay, so one infraction in the relationship and how do you spur that into a habitual point of dis dispute, a habitual point of argumentation 
and keep people at each other's throats so that they have no peace. The second one is a minor sin to a major sin, right? So a person starts, you know, there's so many different ways of this, right? Uh, You start to become emotionally abusive, uh, mentally abusive, emotionally abusive, verbally abusive. It just goes and it keeps going and going until it becomes physically abusive and it's just horrific. It becomes a horrific cycle. And then the third thing is a point of no return, right? So major sin to kufr in the relationship with Allah is how do I take this to a point of no return, okay? To make them feel like there is no way that they can come back to Allah. Likewise, in our relationships, shaitan will be the first one to suggest, uh, you know, that, that just break it all off, right? Turn your back on that person, forget about it, cut it all off, cut it loose, okay? That's not talking about um, you know, the very real, uh, necessary times in which some relationships do need to be severed, by the way. I'm not talking about toxicity or tolerating abuse. Okay. So please don't understand anything from this khutbah to be saying that a person should remain in an abusive situation. I'm talking about taking minor infractions and leading them into major, major disputes and sins that are long term and that puts you on a place of no return. That's what the shaitan does with your relationship with Allah. And that's the same playbook he's going to use in your relationship with one another. And as you know, I was looking through all of these ahadith of how the Prophet taught us to deal with our minor frustrations, our constant annoyances, our irritations. And he always mentions the shaitan, always mentions the devil. Okay. Not as a, and it's important because it's not blaming the shaitan to excuse bad behavior. It's to empower good behavior with the understanding that shaitan will exploit your heedlessness. All right. So there's a difference between those two things. It's not, you know, I'm sorry, the shaitan made me do this. The shaitan made me say this. The shaitan. Uh, no, no. It's know that you have devils that will exploit and that will that will take advantage of the openings that you give them into your heart, into your relationship with Allah and into your, your relationship with one another. Don't give them that space. So here is an empowering way for you to push the shaitan out, right? So it's it's a very different mindset and approach. So let's look through these ahadith, and you've heard them, but I want you to pay attention to the things that are common between all three of these things. Uh, the hadith in al-Bukhari, that the Prophet saw two men that were abusing one another verbally. So they were getting heated, and uh, as, as they started to get heated with their with their words, with their exchange, then they started to uh, get in each other's faces. Their faces turned red. It was about to turn into something much worse. The Prophet ﷺ is looking at these two men fighting and he's speaking to those that are sitting with him. And he says, Inni I know a word that if he were to say it, then, uh, then that anger that he's facing would go away. That anger that he's encountering that's boiling inside of him right now would go away. Notice the Prophet did not go tell the man. Why? Because when he's already in his fit and he doesn't understand the mechanisms by which to deal with that fit, then he's not going to process anything rationally at that moment. Shaitan's already in the driver's seat. So this is a case of, you know what, let's just stop. Let, let a person blow off their steam, cool it off. And then let's talk when things are cooled off because you're not going to understand anything I have to say right now. Okay, so the Prophet ﷺ did not go up to him and say, Hey, say I, say I seek refuge in Allah from the accursed devil. Because if the Prophet ﷺ said that to him in the midst of that, he might have responded in a way that he would eternally regret to the Prophet ﷺ. 
So in the wisdom of the Prophet ﷺ, he's using this as a teaching moment for everybody else because that man just has to blow off his steam. You need to put them apart from each other. Nothing's going to change right now about his habits. Okay? Just pull them apart from each other, sit them down, calm them down. But he's not going to process the statement of the Prophet ﷺ right now. The proof of which... The proof of which is that one of the men that was sitting with the Prophet ﷺ when he said, I know something that if he were to say it, then he would, uh, you know, th then he would be able to do away with that anger. Uh, one of the men that was sitting with the Prophet ﷺ said, well, let me go tell him. Right. So he went to the man and he told him. So the man responded. He, he turned his anger towards him. He says, Am I? Am I crazy? Do you think I'm crazy? Do you think I'm insane? Do you want me to go? You go away, you know? So he, he flipped out on the guy instead, right? So he, instead of the, the object of his anger being the person he was already fighting, now he's fighting with the other person, right? And the Prophet understood that wisdom. So you're not going to turn someone's habits or give them the process, the, the right processing mechanisms in the midst of their anger. But again, the Prophet said, استعذ بالله seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the shaytan from the accursed devil and uh, you know some of the scholars they say that in some of the narrations the messenger I seek refuge in Allah from the all hearing and the all knowing from the accursed devil and they said that is a better form of isti'adha a better form of seeking refuge in the midst of anger why? because you remind yourself that Allah hears and Allah knows okay so it, it, you're still achieving uh, removing the shaytan, but you're also bringing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and reminding yourself of two core attributes in the midst of that debate or that, that discussion or that anger that you have. And again, this isn't a huge annoyance. This is this is just in the midst of a heated argument and things get heated really, really, really quickly. So say, I seek refuge in God, the all-hearing and the all-knowing from the accursed devil. Bring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala into you yeah, into that, that uh, scenario like that. The second thing is wudu. The Prophet said to do wudu. Every single time uh, I've gone to any of those websites about anger management tips, you'll always see something about washing the face, cooling off, right? Go wash your face, take a break. And the Prophet وسلم, uh, he said uh, for people to, to take a break and to actually do wudu. So what's the connection between those two things? Well, number one, the Prophet ﷺ said, Haste is from the devil. Haste is from the devil. Shaytan is going to try to make you say as many damaging things as possible before you come to your senses. So he's going to hurry you up. Speak, speak, do, do. He wants you to act in the point of action. He wants you to act in the midst of uh, uh, your, your anger. And so he wants you to hurry up and say as much as you want. So don't say these two words. You know what? You're, you're already throwing some hurtful comments. Go ahead and add a third one. You know what would be a knockout punch right now? Right? Throw that one in there too. Bring this into the discussion. Bring this into play. So Shaytan's going to try to get you to pile on as much as possible in that short period of time so that you can say as many things that contribute to his ultimate goal of no return. And what did Allah mention? that the devil loves to, to, to pull apart a couple and it's not just the husband from the wife or the wife from the husband it's, it's, it's children, it's parents, it's all of those things Shaytan wants to make these points of no return right? so what did the Prophet say? don't act in haste so he said if you're standing up, sit down if you're sitting down, lay down but, but just don't act, be quiet don't say anything if you're that upset, take a break 
take a break. And everyone in the household should, should afford each other that opportunity to take a break. You're really upset right now. You know what? Go ahead and, and, and just, you know, sit, 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 sit with yourself. It's okay. I understand. You don't want to talk right now. That's good. Just take a break. It's better to not say anything than to say something hurtful. However, prolonged periods of silence, and this is sort of the disclaimer, prolonged periods of silence, uh, can actually be weaponized in a more harmful way than, than, than conversation. That's why the Prophet ﷺ gave, a, you know, a, a had limitations to those periods of silence. The period of silence should not be a hurtful uh, weapon in and of itself. The period of silence to, should be enough to allow the, the shaitan to be removed uh, from that point of anger so that you can, so that you're not acting in that point of anger or saying anything in that point of anger. So it's not like, I'm not going to talk to you. It's, let me take some time. Give me, let me just take a few moments. Let me take a few minutes. Let me take a break. Let me pull off to the side, right? So the Prophet ﷺ also connected that to the shaitan. So he connected isti'ada, seeking refuge in Allah from the shaitan. He connected haste to the shaitan. Don't act in the midst of an argument or in the midst of that anger. And then he even connected, you know, while you're at it, do wudu too. Go wash up, okay? And particularly, don't just go wash your face because it cools you down as an act of worship. And here's a, you know, there's a beautiful narration so all, there, there are numerous ahadith that are sahih, that are authentic when talking about making wudu uh, in, in a place of anger. This hadith, uh, which, which has a slight weakness in Abu Dawood, but it's not a major weakness, but it's it's very profound. It adds another element to this that the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ الْغَضَبْ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ وَإِنَّ الشَّيْطَانِ خُلِقَ مِنَ النَّارِ وَإِنَّ مَا تُطْفَأُ النَّارِ بِالْمَاءِ the Prophet ﷺ said that anger is from the devil. Anger is from the shaitan. And the devil was created from fire. And fire is put out with water. So when one of you becomes angry, then go ahead and do wudu. Okay, go ahead and do wudu. All right, so 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 perform so perform the wudu uh, so that you can uh, do what you have to do inshallah ta'ala in order to remove the shaitan with that washing and with that act of worship. So there are three things now that the Prophet ﷺ gave, and they're all connected to uh, expelling the shaitan from our homes, expelling the shaitan from our interactions. Now, I want to bring this together in a more in, in a more uh, particular way that speaks to our current reality. Right now, it's more important than ever to take breaks when we need to take breaks, and to create space in the homes for people to be able to take those breaks. Okay, so. Uh, you know, just because we're all physically, you know, uh, uh, quarantined or put into the same spaces does not mean that uh, we can't create that room and that space for each other sometimes. So that's the first thing. Number two, talking through our feelings outside of the point of anger allows you to be silent when you're angry. Let, let me be very clear with this. I talked about weaponizing silence. All right. So using silence to actually hurt someone. All right. When you actually talk about your feelings when you're not angry, it allows for the other person to have a better understanding of why you don't want to talk right now. Okay, so talk about our vulnerabilities, talk about the way that we're feeling, talk about why we feel this way. After the anger dissipates, what what do you think it was that triggered that, that made you think that way, that put you uh, in that situation? So talk through your feelings. Number three, worshiping together, worshiping together. Why? Because you're not just trying to expel your individual shayateen, you're trying to expel the shayateen of the home. And what expels the shayateen of the home is worship. And what expels the shayateen from your relationship is worshiping together. 
And what expels your individual shayateen is individual worship. So worship, ibadah, is a way of removing the shaitan. So praying together when you can, discussing things together, having conversations that are religious. And when people are having religious conversations, that opens the door to have some more vulnerable conversations that are absolutely necessary right now. And the last thing, which is super important right now, okay? You know, one thing I learned from the Prophet Sallallahu or I should say we learned from the Prophet Sallallahu when we look at his life and, and the arguments that happened in his home, is the Prophet Sallallahu never dismissed someone else's pain because his pain was bigger. He never dismissed someone else's pain because his pain was bigger. What does that mean? Like if you think about some of the arguments that he had in his home, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that his, you know, that, that upset uh, Aisha radiallahu anha or Safiya radiallahu anha. Um, there's something that, that, that really is, is very apparent. He never, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that, you know, I've got bigger things to worry about. Like, you know, you're bringing this up right now, this minor thing up. And I'm sitting here worrying about, you know, not getting my ummah killed. So if someone's going to talk about important duties, <laughs> no one was more important to the people than the Prophet No one was more important to the world than the Prophet right? So it's not like I've got more important things to do. I don't have time for your silliness. I don't have time for your argument. I don't have time for what bothers you because I'm going through something much worse. Why is this so important right now in particular? Okay. It's so important right now in particular because though all of us are struggling in unique ways and in, in, in a different in, in different ways, some of us certainly struggling more than others. Everyone is struggling in some way right now. Okay? And that could be an emotional struggle, a mental struggle. Even your, you know, if you got kids in the house, they're struggling with, you know, uh, social pain. They're struggling with the uncertainty of of, of not knowing when school's gonna be back on, whatever it is, not seeing their friends. Everyone is struggling in some way right now, in the house, right? So you might, if, if you're the breadwinner in the house, right, then you're thinking about how am I gonna keep, you know, paying the bills? And that's certainly a great struggle and can cause anxiety and stress in many different ways. If your parents are sick, right, and your spouse's parents are not sick, that can cause great stress, that's a unique stress. If you know, if you have an added uh, duty that you did not have in the past, that can cause stress. If you're having problems getting structured, if you still have a job and you can't work properly, all of those things cause stress. All of these things are causing us issues in different ways. Do not belittle the other person's stress in the house because you think, and you might be right, by the way, that your stress is bigger because there's no doubt that the Prophet's like some stress was bigger than everybody else in his home, right? We love our mother Aisha radiallahu anha, and this is not dismissing Aisha radiallahu anha or think, no, Aisha radiallahu anha was a woman of worship, a woman of righteousness. Okay, Aisha radiallahu anha did not have the responsibilities of the Prophet but still the Prophet honored what disturbed Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha by settling those things, right? So it wasn't just, you know, you talk about the sweetness of the Prophet ﷺ to pay attention to the minor details of drinking from the same part of the cup as her, uh, you know, doing the small romantic things. That attention to detail carried into times of adversity too. That if Aisha was disturbed by something, it wasn't the Prophet ﷺ never, ever, ever says, I've got more to worry about than you or 
my anger or, or my my stress is greater than your stress. How many of those arguments or disputes or those things that come up in the traditions, which are narrated by Aisha radiallahu anha to teach us about the amazingness of our Prophet sallallahu and to teach us a standard that we can all aspire to. How many of them came in the midst of battle? How many of them came in the midst of persecution? You know, the, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi 23 years of prophethood, uh, each year has a significant amount of adversity in it, right? But still, you never once hear the Prophet sallallahu say, I don't have time for this right now, or I am going through this, and I, you know, I need to worry about this right now. Why? Please listen very carefully. Because even if your pain is bigger than the other person's pain in the house, prioritizing your pain over that person's pain means you're really just prioritizing yourself over the other people in your home. All right. So prioritizing yourself is by prioritizing your pain and making it seem like it's the only stress and anxiety that exists in the house. So don't belittle the other person's stress. Don't belittle the other person's pain. Don't belittle what everyone else is going through in the house, including the kids, by the way, if you've got children in the home. Everyone's going through something, right? Try to listen and, and hear what they're going through. Don't ever say, I'm going through more than what you're going through, or I've got more to worry about because those are signs of narcissism. And narcissism is very sh- satanic. Shaitan is the ultimate narcissist, right? So he's going to feed a narcissistic uh, presence in the home as well. Do not say my pain is greater than yours. I'm going through something that you're not going through. I've got to worry about this. You've got to worry about this silly thing. Don't do that. It's not fair. It's not prophetic. It's not the sunnah of the Messenger So yes, we're all struggling in very unique ways right now. Ways that maybe we can't understand how the other person's struggling. We don't even understand how we're struggling right now. Right. Each one of us is, is having to dig deeply and think, how am I struggling right now? How is this affecting me? How is this rupturing my way of thinking right now? Right. Why am I so upset about this all of a sudden? So we're trying to figure ourselves out. Uh, so we're definitely not going to figure everyone else out right now. OK, so in the meantime, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calm all of us and those that indeed have been suffering far more uh, than all of us, uh, our brothers and sisters that were already suffering around the world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alleviate their pain. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove their oppression. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, replace the shayateen in our homes with malaika, with angels. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replace our, uh, our, our hardships with ease, replace our points of dispute to points of connection. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us sakina and tranquility. And particularly, by the way, and, and tonight, inshallah ta'ala, my reflection is going to be a message specifically to those that are alone. You're hearing all of these messages about family and, and, and family tension and what's happening in the house. Ayaqeen, uh, alhamdulillah, we just released a bunch of papers on family, really gems of papers, mashallah. Uh, Imam Hanif House, uh, Dr. Zara Khan, others, just a bunch of papers about family, videos about family. We just had a webinar about family. So I know that those who are going through this alone are, are, are you know, having to suffer even more. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comfort all of you that are struggling through this alone. May Allah surround you with angels. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala build in you uh, a resilience that will allow you to keep going uh, and, and, and to power through this, not needing anyone but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For surely we will only be resurrected alone in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah comfort you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be with you. May Allah allow all of us that are not having to go through this alone to do a better job of reaching you and providing you the comfort that's needed right now. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help everyone that is going through this in their own unique ways. 
Jazakumullah khairan to all of you for tuning in. Please pray for Raka'az insha'Allah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa sallallahu wa sallam ala nabiyyana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sallam 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 wa